Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Have you ever been uh, like driving out in a country somewhere and it's, it's kind of a rural area. There, there are no kids out there playing. There, there are no houses, no businesses. It's just wide open spaces. And you're driving down there and the speed limit's 35. And you're thinking to yourself, who made the speed limit 35? It, it should be 55, maybe 65 down here. Like there's, not, there's no reason that it should be so slow. You ever do that? Like you're trying to put yourself in that place where who made the, who made the stupid law, right? Who was the one responsible for this? Because I know better and this is the way it should be, but they're not getting it right. And speaking of stupid laws, I found something that I wanted to share with you. These are, these are supposedly actual laws. They're stupid laws. These are laws that are still on the books in different states. And I have no way of verifying this other than I found it on the internet, so I know it's true. So uh, here we go. So in Tennessee, these are some laws in different states. In Tennessee, it is illegal to use a lasso to catch a fish. Okay, stupid law. It's still in the book somewhere. It's, a, it's also in Tennessee, it's illegal to fire a gun at any wild game other than whales from a moving car. Like, really? In Kentucky, in Kentucky, it's illegal to carry a concealed weapon over six feet long. Look, in my mind, if you can do that, you ought to be able to carry it. That's why I look at it. In Kentucky, it's also a law that a person must take a bath once a year. It's a good law. In Chico, California, it says, um, the law says that anybody who detonates a nuclear device within the city limits is liable to a fine of $500. In Texas, it is illegal to shoot a buffalo from the second story of a hotel. And this is, a, this is another one in Texas, I really like this. It's, it's required that criminals give their victims 24-hour notice either orally or in writing to explain the nature of the crime to be committed. That's, that's, that's nice. In North Carolina, it's against the law to sing off key. I'm so glad that's North Carolina, not South Carolina. Just saying. In, in North Carolina, elephants cannot be used to plow cotton fields. In Alabama, this is for, it's for Pastor Kevin. In Alabama, it is illegal to drive while wearing a blindfold. It is also illegal to wear a fake mustache that causes laughter in church. Now, this one I'm not sure of. I don't know if this is somebody that this is a prank or not. But according to this, in, in Alabama, boogers may not be flicked into the wind. I don't know. I'm just saying, hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just repeating these laws, okay? So, I don't know. You know, when you look at those things, you go, that's kind of silly. Why do we have these laws? But, you know, here's the thing. There are a lot of things in the scripture that we look at, particularly if you, if you ever read through this, the Bible, and I know a lot of people have done this, they, you know, January 1st, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. That's what I'm going to do every day. I'm going to read through the Bible. And, you, and you're doing pretty good. You get Genesis and Exodus and all that. And then you hit like um, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Then you hit Leviticus. If you ever hit Leviticus, it's all the law. And you're reading these Old Testament laws for the Jewish people. And it puts the brakes on the whole reading plan. You're thinking, what in the world? And when you read those laws, you think to yourself, these are silly. Like they don't make any, you're scratching your head thinking, why are these even in here? And, and let me just tell you, when you look at some of the laws that were put in place, the Old Testament laws, they were there for a reason. Two reasons, really. The first reason was that God gave those laws to the Jewish people, his chosen people, to distinguish them from other nations, 
right? To be very distinct people. So he gave them these laws to separate them. Secondly, he gave those laws to protect them. Many of the laws we have in our nation today that we may not understand are there to protect us. We think we know better many times, but we often just kind of do our thing and, and pay the consequences because we think we know better. So, so we've been kind of going through the book of Galatians, and what we see is that there is this, this shift, all right? So the Old Testament, if you're kind of new to the Bible, you have the Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is defined really as, as the history of the Jewish people and God's movement through that. That's kind of how it works. In the New Testament, we have Jesus come onto the scene, and, and we, we have this different direction, this new covenant that, that we're living under. We no longer live under the Old Testament law. And technically, if you're, you're not Jewish, you wouldn't live under the law anyways. But, but as New Testament believers, we're under this thing called grace. So we don't follow rules and regulations. We don't, we don't do it just for that sake. But we are under this thing called grace where God looks. We, I mean, we try to serve God as best we can. When we make mistakes, we, we just confess that and, and move on. And, and the struggle that they were having in, in the church in Galatia was that there was these people who had infiltrated the church that was made up mainly of, of, of Gentile people, non-Jewish people. And they came in with this idea that, hey, they were called the Judaizers. They came and these were Jewish people by birth who had become followers of Jesus. And they came into this, these churches in Galatia with this false message that Jesus was not enough. Like grace was not enough. You had to have law. You had the Old Testament law. You had to follow the rules and regulations and have Jesus. And Paul, the, the writer of this book of the Bible that was originally a letter that was sent to these churches, confronts that and says, guys, don't fall for that. That's not the message of the gospel. The gospel is all about Jesus. Because when Jesus came, he set us free from the law. We don't have to live under the law. We live under grace. We don't have rules and regulations that we have to follow just for the sake of following rules and regulations to be right with God. The scripture, in some of the New Testament scripture, okay, let me just give you some, just talk about this idea of freedom because that's, that's what it's all about. The, the law was burdensome, but in Christ, grace offers freedom. And the scripture says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? This is, this is kind of the theme throughout the New Testament, the freedom that we have in Christ. In Galatians, that was the theme. And I, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter five. We're gonna look at one, verses one through 14. And again, this is Paul writing to them and saying, hey, guys, look, that, all of this stuff that they're coming in here telling you that you have to follow the Old Testament law, that you have to be circumcised before you can be a Christian, that's all false. This begins in verse one. And again, a, a common theme, if you've been with us through this series, but he's, he's drilling this point home. He says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. He, he compared it to slavery. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I'll say it again, if you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to, keep, make, if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, 
There is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. If you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul says, look, it isn't about following rules and regulations. It's about enjoying the freedom that you have and using that freedom to to love other people. So today I just wanna give you two points because I really believe that there are people who, who really, a couple of different kind of people. There are some who have given their life to Jesus and enjoy the freedoms that you have in Christ. And I thank God for that. But there are some of you who have given your life to Jesus and still this idea that God is up there keeping score, that there's these rules and regulations that if you get out of line just a little bit, that God's gonna zap you for that. And you've got that misunderstanding who God is and and the way that we have this relationship with him. And then there's a third group of you and that's the ones who have never even committed your life to Christ. And and you're here today and you're just trying to kick in the tires a little bit of the spiritual stuff and you're trying to find answers and truth. And I'm telling you, if you will will just trust Jesus, your life will all of a sudden start making sense because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So I'm gonna give you these points and I wanna kinda explain it a little bit as we go, but here's the first point. And again, this sounds like a broken record, but here it is, we are free in Christ. We are free in Christ. Everybody say that with me. We are free in Christ. Now let's personalize that, okay? I am free in Christ. Come on, I am free in Christ. Doesn't it feel good to have freedom? That we are free in Christ. Now, if you're gonna really contextualize freedom, and you go throughout the Bible, you, you realize that there, are, there, is, there was physical slavery and physical freedom. The, the nation of Israel, God's people, they experienced both. There are many times throughout the scripture you read that they were in captivity to another country. Normally it was in response to them turning their backs on God and God just saying, okay, if you wanna, if you wanna you know, kinda go rogue on me, I'm gonna let you do that and you'll have to pay the consequences and they would be taken captive and put in slavery by some nation and, and right before actually the law was given, you might recall this in Exodus chapter 20, in the beginning of Exodus, the nation of Israel had been slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years and God delivered them. He uses this guy named Moses to come up there and, and, and rescue them and they leave and they are enjoying their freedom after 400 years of slavery and then they get out into the wilderness and on their way to the promised land and they stop at, the, at Mount Sinai and we, we read about this in in Exodus 20, where Moses goes up the mountain and, he, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. And, and it's this whole idea of, of the law is now given. But there's also in the scripture this idea of spiritual freedom and spiritual bondage. People without Christ are in bondage to their sin, but when we're in Christ, we have 
this freedom that, that he's writing about here. It's not a physical freedom, it's a spiritual, it's greater than that, it's a, phys, it's a spiritual freedom. Now, the problem with the Old Testament law was that nobody could keep it, right? I mean, there were 10 commandments, that was hard enough to keep, <clears throat> excuse me, but then there were 613 Jewish laws that they were required to keep as well. Now think about that, all of those laws that, that you just, I mean, nobody, no matter how good you were, couldn't even keep 10 commandments, much less the 613 laws. And the problem with the laws is that, now, we look at those laws, by the way, and, and they were given to the Jews, not, not to non-Jews, but we look at the laws and we go, why are they even there? Again, this is for God's people, to distinguish them from every other nation and also for their protection. When you, if you, again, if you're reading through and you get to Leviticus, you'll see all of these laws that today would sound silly to us. For instance, if, if you were looking at law, trying to live by the law and you were Jewish, some of the, just kind of randomly, just some things you couldn't do. You couldn't wear clothing that was made out of two different types of materials. Like you couldn't wear polyester cotton. You couldn't do that. It was, against, it was against the law, God's laws. You couldn't do that. Just one type of material and that was it. You couldn't have a tattoo. That was Old Testament law. Now, again, um, I've heard people try to take that and say, well, that's, you can't do that as a believer. That's, that's not, we don't live under law. You, you have that freedom to do those kind of things if, if, you, if, if, you know, if it's a matter of, you know, if it's a matter of conscience, it's different, but it's not a law. That was Old Testament. That's for the Jewish people. And again, I'm not promoting tattoos. I don't have any. I'm just saying that that's, that's not a rule and regulation that is New Testament. We think things like this, you couldn't eat shellfish. So you couldn't have lobster or shrimp or clams, any of that good stuff. God said, no, you couldn't do that. You couldn't have pork. And for a lot of us, that'd be a problem because, you know, you bacon lovers, you'd be in trouble, right? You couldn't know bacon. Can you imagine that? All right, we'd have rebellion against God in most places here. But you had laws like this and nobody could keep them. And, and here's the problem. Not only did they have the 10 commandments, not only have the 613 Jewish laws, these, these Jewish leaders and I guess this is human nature. We like the idea of trying to f check off the boxes. I did this and I didn't do that. So they, what they did is that they added to those things, these things called fences around the laws. There were a thousand fences around those laws. Now imagine that. You've got, the, the fences were like laws on top of the laws. They were not given from, by God, they were, they were man-made and yet they made these equivalent to God's word. In other words, they were equal as far as they were concerned. So if you broke even a fence of the law, you were considered, you know, in trouble with God. But that wasn't true either. Let me give an example of what a fence of the law would be. Like they would say things like this, like you couldn't look into a mirror on the Sabbath day. Because if you look in the mirror and you saw a gray hair and you plucked it out, it would be working on the Sabbath. You, you, you couldn't carry a handkerchief on the Sabbath, according to one writer that you couldn't carry the handkerchief. Now you could wear it so you could put it around your neck, but if you wanted to go downstairs, you couldn't carry it. You would have to tie it around your neck, go downstairs, and then, you, and then blow your nose down there. It was just silly things like that. And, and so nobody could keep it. And here's what, so here's, here's the system that, that God had put in place, uh, excluding those fences because those weren't part of God's laws to begin with. But the laws that they had to keep were meant to keep people in line, to, to distinguish them, but they couldn't keep them. And so God put in, a, in its place a system for forgiveness because God required perfection and no one could keep, be perfect. So God's system in that Old Testament way of doing things was that God would have the people every year to make atonement for their sin. 
because they all sinned, right? So they would have to go once a year to the high priest and they would bring an animal with them, an unblemished animal, and they would bring it to the high priest and the high priest would, would uh, sacrifice that animal on an altar and the blood would cover their sins, symbolically cover their sins for the next year, which was a flawed system, right? Because what would you do? It, it, was a, it was set up for failure because no matter how good you tried to be, you would always you would always walk around feeling the guilt and shame of your sin, even though the sin was, you know, covered by the blood. But the problem was if I went once a year and I went to the, to the high priest and, and made my sacrifice and I'm feeling good at that moment, okay, my sins are covered, and I leave to go home and I get in an argument with my spouse and I say something I shouldn't say, now all of a sudden I'm already sinning again. And I got to wait a year till I can feel any sense of, oh man, I've got rid of this shame. It was a rough system. And fortunately, in the New Testament, we, we have Jesus come on the scene, and Jesus literally is our high priest, and he didn't take just any animal to sacrifice for us. He became the sacrifice, the unblemished lamb of God who voluntarily went on the altar, the, the, the cross, and he shed his blood so that we could not only have our sins covered, but removed as far as the east is from the west and forgiven and forgotten. They, they were literally gone, past, present, and future. We are truly free in Christ without the burden of the law. And, and, I, and again, I, I think sometimes we, we dismiss it because we look at the Old Testament and go, well, that's nice, but we don't really think about the repercussions of all of that. So let's go into the scripture a little deeper because we, again, we're gonna see how this freedom plays out in our life. Let's go back to what, what uh, Paul said in Galatians chapter five, verse one. He said, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. You are free. So don't go back to rules and regulations. Now remember, he's writing because these people have come back into the church, these Judaizers, and said, you need Jesus. Yeah, that's fine, but that's not enough. You have to follow Testament laws. You have to get, be circumcised because that's what God's people did. And if you don't, then you're really not a believer. And Paul says, don't let them fool you. Don't go into the slavery of that. That's slavery. Don't walk into that. Walk in your freedom. That's where we're meant to be. In John 8, 36, Jesus said, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. You're free. You know, when, if you look at Jesus, Jesus was absolutely amazing because Jesus understood that the law was given for a purpose but people at the end of the day were more important. So an example of that, Jesus would often do healings. Whenever he came about around somebody that needed healing, he would heal them. And if it were on the Sabbath, and the Sabbath you weren't allowed to do any work, which meant from Friday as sun went down to, to literally sunrise Sunday morning, you, you couldn't do anything. They had to prepare their meals before that. They couldn't cook on the Sabbath. They couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. It just it was a rest day. So Jesus would be out and he would do his typical thing on the Sabbath. He'd go to the temple 
And then as he's leaving, he'd usually run into somebody that needed some, you know, maybe a le- somebody who had le- leprosy, he would heal them. Somebody who was blind, he'd heal them. He would do those kind of things and he would do it on the Sabbath. And often you would see the religious leaders who hated Jesus would come every time kind of watching for this and he would do it on a Sabbath, almost kind of like, let me show you guys what really matters. And he would heal the person and they would come back and, and they would say, hey, if you, if you were really a good Jew, you wouldn't be doing this. And Jesus would often point out their hypocrisy and he said, you guys, basically he, he called them all kinds of names. Like you're a brood of vipers. You're, you're just like, you're, you're, you're dead men bones and you know, all kinds of things, just whatever. Because it really frustrated him. But he would say things like this. He said, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites because if you had an ox that fell into the ditch on the Sabbath, you would get it out, which is actually, that's the right thing to do. Like that's what you should do if your ox fell in the ditch on the Sabbath. And why wouldn't you heal somebody on the Sabbath? Because it's the right thing to do. And of course, this is the kind of thing that Jesus really got in trouble with the religious leaders about, but he was pointing out their hypocrisy. So again, the point is that we are free in Christ. Now, that's great, but that leads me to the second point, and this is the part I think a lot of people leave out, and that is this, with freedom comes responsibility. Anytime you're given a freedom, there's responsibility. Remember when you were maybe, I don't know, getting, Pastor Jamie talked about this a little bit like he, last week when he talked about getting a driver's license or, or having a curfew that you had. So you were given a little freedom, like your, your parents gave you that freedom. They entrusted you with that, but you had a responsibility. You, you, you know, you, we expect you to do certain things and, it, and, and you have freedom, but you need to, still be home at 11 or still be, whatever it is, there's responsibility. And I think this is appropriate that this message actually fell on this week as we, this Thursday, as we, we celebrate Veterans Day. Those heroes, all of you who have, who have voluntarily uh, risked your life, you know, just to, to serve our country, to, pr- to preserve our freedoms is basically what you did. And that is amazing that we're talking about freedom and, and, and from a country standpoint, we, we are that country. That's why everybody wants to come to America. It, it is the land of the free and the home of the brave. It, it, it is that because we have this, this freedom, but there is also responsibility, right? We still have laws. We're free, but you still have laws. You can't do anything you want to do. There's, that would be lawlessness. That's not good. They're guardrails. The laws are put in place to protect us. That's all they're for. They're not trying to, they're, hopefully, unless government is overarching, they're not meant to kind of erode our freedoms. But there are certain things we have to follow. And the same is true with us because the logical question is if I'm free in Christ, why don't I just live my life any other way I want to? Like if, I have great, if I'm living under grace, that God's going to forgive me no matter what, then why don't I just go out and live my life any way that I feel like it, including sinfully, or just going any direction that I want to do, not worrying about what God has to say about my direction in my life, and just pursue whatever my agenda is. Why, why don't I do that? Because if I get out there and sin, I can just pull the grace card out. God, you got to forgive me. And I think a lot of people think that way, but that's not, that's not accurate thinking. God's not, God's not looking for compliance. That's not what God, God is looking to twist our arm to make us do something. God doesn't, isn't looking for people who just 
follow him because they're, they're made to under duress, out of obligation or duty. That's not what God's about. What God is wanting in this freedom is this, this idea that I'm offering you this freedom from your sins, from the bondage of sin. And I'm going to let you go. And I'm going to give you that freedom, but not freedom to choose to do anything you want to do. God's looking for people to say, I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm doing this because I want to. Because I, I feel this divine obligation. Again, not in a bad way, but it, this idea that, that Jesus went to a cross and he died so that I could have this freedom. And, and, I, and I want to. I, I mean, I have this deep desire for, for my entire life to be headed in a direction that serves him and to honors him and to blesses him and everything I do. I, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall short. That's what grace is for. It's not to abuse it. It's not to just kind of trample on it. It's to use when I need it, but not to live in that direction, living to please God. That's what, that's what this whole idea is about. So when you look at some scriptures, let me show you in Galatians, go back to what he said. He said, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Kind of reminds you of something that Jesus said one time. Remember when the guy came up and said, what's the most important command? And Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law can be summed up in that one command. That's what Paul said. If you want to know, you want to keep the law, love God, love people. I mean, that sums it up. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Use your freedom to serve others, to love others, to do the right thing because there's a responsibility. And that's not the only place that he said that. In Romans chapter six, here's what he said. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? And he answers his own question. Of course not. Of course not. You don't get a license to do whatever you want to do. That's, that's not what freedom's about. Freedom's about looking at what God's done and appreciating that in, in a way that your life moves in his direction. And 1 Peter says, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Here, see, that's a weird paradigm, isn't it? That we're, we're free, but we're slaves. Like we're, we're free in Christ, but we're slaves to Christ. And it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, right? Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm free from the bondage of my sin, but now I've made myself a slave to Christ. In other words, I want to serve him. I'm his servant. And, and when you have that attitude, what God does is God honors that. God blesses. Let me show you. Let me, I'm going to read a couple things here um, that the Apostle Paul kind of makes this point that God isn't looking for people who just comply. Because we know that doesn't work, right? You, you understand that. Just compliance to a law doesn't work, or I'm doing it because I'm forced to doing it with the wrong kind of attitude. That's not what God wants. It reminds me of the story of the, of the little kid, a little kid who was in his high chair. And his mom, and he kept standing up in the high chair, and the mom kept saying, you better sit down. And so she'd come in there and put him, sit him down. He'd stand back up. She said, you better sit down. He wouldn't, so she'd put him back down. She said, finally, she said, if you stand up one more time, I'm gonna swat you on the bottom. And he stood right up and gave her that mean mug look. She went over and swatted him on the bottom, set him back down. She said, now you're going to sit down. And he said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> and I think that's how some of us look at what God has to say. 
Like, God, I'll do this, but I'm not happy about it. And I think that attitude is what, that is the wrong kind of attitude. God isn't doing it. God doesn't say, hey, I want you to do. Look, it's not about thou shall nots and thou shalls. But I'm going to tell you something. That's the, the law and all of that. We're not living under that. But if you read the New Testament, there are a lot of things that we're, we're, we're commanded to do. It's not about rules and regulations, but it's commands of God. So there's still responsibility. So let me give you an idea. These won't be on a screen, but, but it's some of the things that, that Paul would say in relation to what I'm talking about. Here's what he said. Even though, I, this is 1 Corinthians 9, 19, if you, if you might want to jot it down. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. You see his attitude? I, I, he said, I, I'm totally free. I have no master other than Jesus, but I have voluntarily become a slave to all people. Why? So that I can bring them to Christ. In other words, his motive was to see others follow Jesus and he, and he would lay down his life to do that, which he did. His whole life after he himself met Jesus changed. He became this, I mean, this person who went throughout the world starting churches, including some of these churches in Galatia that he writes to later. Here's what he said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Let me tell you what he's writing in, in, in that's, that context of what he's writing. There was a debate back then. There was this, these, this food that was offered to idols, these false gods, and they would they would, they would do that, and it was, when it was done, that people would eat the food. And believers that followed Jesus didn't care about the idols. That wasn't anything to do with that, the sacrifice, and they, Paul was, would eat the meat. It was like, hey, it's good meat. Why not? And some of the other people were saying, wait, well, that was offered to idols, and it was kind of a, a, an issue of their conscience. And Paul said, here's what I'm going to do. I have the freedom to eat that meat if I want to, because I'm not worshiping those idols. It means nothing to me. I'm going to eat the meat. But if that causes somebody to stumble, if that causes a problem for somebody else, I'm going to volunteer. Even though I have that freedom, I'm going to voluntarily say, I'm not going to do that. Everything is good, but it's not always beneficial. I'm free to do whatever I want, but it's not always beneficial. If it's causing a matter of conscience for somebody else, then I just won't eat the meat. I'm going to, I'm going to personally, even though I have the freedom, I recognize the responsibility that comes along with it. I'm going to choose not to do that. That's what I'm talking about. Guys, bottom line is that some of us really are still living in bondage today. I was watching a movie. I want to end with this. I was watching this movie the other night. It was an old movie. And it basically, was a, the setting was there was this guy who had been in prison for, for many, many years. And he was about to get out. He was a former gangster or something like that. He was about to get out. And as he got out, um, he, he had to go to see the warden. And the warden was there and the warden was talking to the guy and he shook his hand and he says, you know, you've been here a long time. And he said, um, you know, you're about to get freedom for the first time in a long time. And he says, I'm gonna, so he gave him his belongings and I think he gave him a ticket to, you know, so he could get out of town. And the last thing he says, he said, look, I don't wanna see you come back here again. So use your freedom wisely. And I'm gonna say, I really believe that that's what God would say to us. 
that you, you know what it used to be. We sang that song, I'm never going back, never going back, never going back. We, we, you know, if before Christ, we, we, you know, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. We were running from God. But when we met Christ, we, we ran to him. And we, we, we don't want to, we've got freedom now. Why would we return back to that slave? We have to use our freedom wisely. So are you living in bondage today? Let me speak to the believers first. Believer. You've already accepted Jesus. But you're struggling with the rules and regulations like God is up there keeping score at every little thing you do. And you're all about what Christians can and can't do. Oh, you can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. And that's just the way you live your life and it's always, because it's, it, it lends itself to living in this shame and guilt all the time. You, it's a, it's a merry-go-round that you never can get off. Because it's the idea that God is somehow, like every time I mess up, he's just shaking his head like, there you go again. You, you are a big failure. And you don't understand the relationship that you have in that freedom. And again, it's not a freedom to just do whatever you choose to do. But, when you're, but I'm talking to the believer who's really trying to do the right thing. Can I just invite you to get off of that merry-go-round once and for all? to just enjoy the freedom you have, just follow God's best you can, use the grace, you know, the right way that he offers. And then just once and for all, just let go of the rules and regulations. Yes, follow what he's told you to do. I'm not saying that. But the idea that somehow that's gonna make you right in God's eyes. Maybe you're a person who today has not, never enjoyed the freedom of Christ. You're in a bondage to your sin. You've I mean, you've tried everything you can to get right with God, but you've never given your life to Jesus. And that's the whole bottom line. That's because the Old Testament, the Jews could not keep the law. It was impossible. And Jesus was the sacrificial lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And he wants to offer you that forgiveness and that freedom today. Because that's where freedom is found, when your sins are forgiven and you can wake up in the morning knowing that I am right in right standing with God because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. So I want, to, I want to have you close your eyes and I want to pray for you and give you an opportunity to respond to God in any way you need to. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. It washes our sins away. It doesn't just cover them. It removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. And we get to enjoy that freedom because of what you did. And God, I pray that we would never, as Paul worded it, never get back into the slavery of rules and regulations. God, I pray for that person who's a believer, who's a follower of yours, but they've never been able to shake that thought that somehow you're up there keeping score. And I'm praying that today that they would enjoy the freedom for the first time that they have in Christ. And God, I pray for those who have never even given their lives to Jesus and they've been carrying the guilt and shame of their mistakes and their sin and their burden because of it. They're in, they're in bondage to it. And you have come and you have already provided the sacrifice that you made on that cross was sufficient. And I pray that today people would be set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, that they would invite you to be their Lord and Savior today. And if that is you today, and you want that forgiveness, and you want a clean slate, and you want purpose and meaning, and you want 
forgiveness and you're willing to commit your life to Jesus, maybe offer a prayer like this, Jesus, today, I am relinquishing control of my life to you. I believe you died on that cross for me and I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior and I'm gonna follow you for the rest of my life. Once again, God, you're amazing that you had a better way in mind when you sent Jesus for us. And we love you. In your name we pray, amen.